This is Alec Baldwin. I'd like to invite you to listen to my new limited series podcast about a true American hero. I was paid to put on a killer show. You are a fast mover. Please have a seat right there. Jock number 10. And I think I might be convinced on the whole Chiefs dynasty thing. They seem like they did okay. I mean, not that I was awake for most of the game. <laughs> Look, I could just tell. I could just tell, man. Look, call it what you want. Call it rigged. Call it... Look, the NFL wants to get Taylor Swift in there no matter what cost and if it costs the 49ers their super bowl you know what so be it we got to get her in there we got to get her in there but i'm curious how you guys and all of your super bowl parties slash experiences slash whatever went i don't know i have a hard time remembering it because here's the thing okay I'll I'll go a little bit into uh, mine first, and then I would be curious to hear if anybody out there had <clears throat> a crazy Super Bowl party. I have a feeling, by the way, that the way that our just the way that our culture is going, and you know the way that the the general vibes of the world are, it kind of feels like it was a little bit less crazy of a Super Bowl year this year. I don't know. It didn't feel to me like anybody was too excited about it. Look, I get that we all, we all wanted the Ravens and the lions, but you know, that's just, that's not the way that the NFL rig system wanted it to be. Uh, look, Roger Goodell. I don't even know if he's still the commissioner anymore. He's sitting there up in his office. He's crunching the numbers. He's looking for peak optimal ratings. And in order to get that, of course you needed Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and Taylor Swift in there on camera all the time. And Usher, who took his shirt off halfway through the performance for some reason. <laughs> That's another thing, too. Uh, about the halftime show, look, I don't want to spend too much time on the Super Bowl because I feel like, you know, especially given that this is a pre-recorded episode and not live, you know, we'll, we'll all have been past it just culturally in our brains by that point. But what was I talking about? Oh yeah. The halftime show. Here's how the halftime show works, by the way. And which is why the weekend, when we got the weekend playing a couple years ago, uh, that felt like an anomaly because for some reason it feels like all of the other halftime shows that we get are, you know, they're, they're kind of throwback performances, right? Like remember last year, which I, by the way, I really enjoyed last year's, uh, 
oh geez was it last year it was someone last year i don't even remember who the hell it was it was someone last year and then i think it was the year before that it was uh you know the 90s all the 90s rap people except tupac and biggie because you know they're they're dead you know we can't get them they're dead they they had some squabbling going on and we we couldn't hologram technology has not developed to the point that you know we can reach down into the grave for their likeness and cause them to perform a ritualistic consumerist satanic halftime show well we're, we're not we're not there yet trust me as soon as we get the capability of we will reach our fingers down into the grave grab tupac and biggie out of their grave and resurrect them as holograms to perform satanic rituals during the super bowl halftime show look trust me that's where it's going that's where it's going and nobody can tell me otherwise <laughs> but you notice how all the performers that we tend to get are like throwback performances that, you know, and it's another thing too, as somebody who is, uh, I'm, I'm 31 years old, by the way, it's a little bit surreal to start getting like throwback performances that the zoomers are meant to see as throwback performances that are throwback performances like for us, right? Wasn't Usher like kind of our time? I mean, Sure, there was some other stuff like, you know, Ludacris was there, uh, Alicia Keys flubbed that one note that everybody noticed. I, I was half asleep, by the way, and I heard that. I heard that. <laughs> Whatever f- noise she made, I don't even remember. <laughs> oh, man. The Super Bowl is kind of a good time, though. I did spend it mostly half asleep because I was in a food coma. Because uh, I made the the fantastic, the fantastic decision to fast for seven days before that. And my eating time, look, I did it for God, okay? I mean, also for health benefits, but it was like half and half. It was like half for God, half for health benefits, you know. God also, you know, wants me to be in peak physical condition to battle his mortal enemies here on this realm. So, yeah, it could be it could be like 55, 45. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't haven't decided that yet. But so two o'clock on Sunday on the Super Bowl day was the official seven day mark. I don't know what seven times 24 is, and I'm not breaking out the calculator to do the math, but. It is a number. Whatever 24 times 7 is, 7 days of that. 2 o'clock was the 7-day mark, officially. And I know it's a bad idea. Look, I get that the thing that all the health experts on Twitter are going to tell you to do is to, look, in order to break your fast, in order to break your fast, notice how a lot of them are, uh, you know, very, very, like, soy-sounding and uh, not somebody that sounds like they should be giving advice on fitness-related things. But, you know, we're going to look past that. We look past that. But notice how it's like, uh, you know, you're supposed to drink, you're supposed to drink bone broth. The bone broth is the thing that, you know, you're supposed to help you break your fast. Nope. I didn't do that. I did not drink bone broth. Instead, I slammed some f***ing chicken wings and macaroni and cheese that I made myself with a full block of cheese and a full bag of shredded cheese on top. You know, you stick it in the oven. Just whoo, got a nice, 
nice crispy layer of cheese on top with some bacon in it. And uh, I started off, look, mac- macaroni and cheese is my favorite food in the entire world, by the way, and is the go-to cheat meal. But I haven't like gone all out and made it for a while. So, of course, I had to make it for my, my nephews. And I didn't remember until... Uh, <laughs> God, I didn't remember until I got there that uh, my stepbrother's wife, who we had the Super Bowl party at, she doesn't eat dairy. And so I get there and I'm like, oh, shit, that's right. You know, I probably should have made something that was not uh, dairy related. But, you know, we all we all chose to look past that, even though I felt bad afterwards because I completely forgot. The kids seem to have enjoyed it, though. Although it was fatty as fuck, man. Uh, I did that thing where, uh, since I don't go all out <clears throat> on macaroni and cheese in a while, or since I haven't gone all out on macaroni and cheese in a while, I did that thing where you make a roux, right? Where you'll just stick like flour and butter in a pan and you'll whisk them all together. And then you'll just dump some milk in there. And what I did was I took a whole block of cheese. And, you know, in fact, it wasn't just one singular block of sharp cheddar. It was one singular block, and then it was like a couple of half blocks of like uh, what I'll do normally with cheese, right, is I'll cut it into like 100 calorie blocks, right, so that I know exactly how much I'm eating. Because that's that's what I do throughout the week, right, is to meal prep, except last week. But that's what I do throughout the week is I meal prep. And so I hard calorie count, right, and I am a sucker for cheese. No matter what, I don't care how healthy I'm eating. At any given time, like literally right now, I'm eating ground beef and rice, and that's like the next week of my meals, right? But no matter how unhealthy I'm eating or how healthy I'm eating, I will always budget cheese into into the budget, right? So I'll cut cheese up into like little little 100-calorie blocks, right? And I'd be lying if I said there were some days where, you know, I'm at, you know, 100, 200 calories left for the day. And I'll just pop a block of cheese and mm, block of cheese. Delicious. <laughs> so I had like two or three of those left over and uh, of like really, really sharp. It was this really good brand of like Vermont white cheddar. Ooh, it was it was nice. So I slammed some of that in there, too. So just slam right in the roux milk sauce. Giant block of cheese. And some white cheddar and just spent like a half an hour like just stirring it around until it was nice and thick until it was nice and thick boy and threw it on some pasta and there was oh of course threw some bacon on it too of course because why not why not you almost have to so ended up doing that and that was my meal that was my meal after seven days of fasting, right? Seven days of fasting. That was my uh, that was my meal back. I didn't sit bone broth like a little. No, no, it went f-ing all uh, all masculine man. Just slammed fatty ass mac and cheese with some chicken wings. I was about to say uh, the god forsaking swear word. Which look, don't get me wrong. I'm still gonna swear all the time, but. That's the one that I am trying to cut at least somewhat out of my vocabulary. The GD chicken wings. You, you, you know what I meant, right? You know what I meant. Although, 
in a philosophical kind of sense, isn't it all about what you mean? So did I not just blaspheme there? Hmm. Well, I'll, I do feel bad about that. So I'm sure I'll be forgiven if I do better in the future. Because that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Okay. So we did that. And I straight up food coma throughout. <laughs> Through the first like half of the game. First half of the game, I straight up food coma. You know how uh, I had this problem back in like high school a lot where I would stay up till like 2, 3 a.m. and a.m. and because high school is at an ungodly hour in the morning our high school started at like fucking 6 30 in the morning for some reason and I would get like two three hours of sleep every night and then I would come home and like crash for four or five hours and then the cycle would repeat itself I, you know you'd get home at like three four o'clock I'd nap until seven or eight we'd eat dinner maybe this uh this explains all of the bad health habits that I had to undo in adulthood but I would get home from high school right and I would take one of those boxes of Kraft macaroni and cheese. This was this was my post high school ritual, right? I would take a box of Kraft macaroni and cheese, and I would just stick it in this giant glass bowl. I'd stick the pasta in this giant ass bowl, set the powder aside, just slam some water in, and I'd just stick it in like stick the whole bowl, water, pasta. In fact, if I was feeling extra juicy and extra hungry that day, I would slam some more pasta in it just because. Because why not? Because why not? And I would stick it in the microwave for like 10 minutes just, you know, to get it cooking, get it all heated. And then I would just stick the seasoning in there, maybe a little bit of cheese, milk, whatever, what have you. Just <laughs> stir it around. Don't pay attention to that noise. Please do not clip that noise and use it against me. But... I would do that, get home from high school at 4 o'clock, and slam a whole f bowl of mac and cheese. I, I, I swear, that's what I would do. Like, what? No wonder you were so unhealthy. <laughs> and then, oh, and then you did the worst thing afterwards, is you just plopped right down. I plopped right down on my bed after having two, three hours of sleep at night, and I would take a nap. I would take a little nap until like 7 or 8 o'clock, and then eat dinner that same day. Hmm... Wonder why I had such bad health habits as a as a teen. It wasn't until I was like 25 or 26 that I ended up like not being ridiculously overweight. In fact, I still have my license picture. Maybe I'll now that the camera's on, I might might show you guys at some point, but I would also have to get up and walk to the other side of my apartment to grab my ID. And you know what? I'm I don't feel like doing that. So that's what the Super Bowl felt like, right? It felt like getting home from high school, slamming a giant bowl of macaroni and cheese and wanting to crash immediately afterwards after seven days of fasting. It was total food coma. And, you know, I felt sick. I didn't even enjoy the sleep. I just felt you feel, you know, when you get like uh, when you get like bloated a little bit, you'll hear your stomach go. You'll hear it. And by the way, is that sound audible to other people or is that just something that you have to torture yourself and struggle with? I've always been curious when I hear my stomach go, blah, 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 blah. Um, is, that, is, that, is that just me hearing that? Can other people hear that too? Especially when it's like meant to be a quiet moment. Anyway, so stomach hurt. 
spent the whole like first half of the game sleeping. And then I woke up to watch Usher take his shirt off for some reason, which props to all of the props, uh, the sports prop betting people. Look, I know that sports gambling is uh, evil and demonic, as we learned last episode. But, you know, if you knew, if you knew what Usher was up to leading into the Super Bowl, how could you not make that prop bet, right? That Usher at some point during his performance is just is going to take his shirt off. You know, that, that that's just how it goes. You know, that's uh, I could have guessed that. I would have made the the prop sports bet if I was. Oh, how how did the commercial go? You can play the game on hard rock bets. <clears throat> I'm gonna pretend that that didn't happen, and uh, move on. Just move on. Pretend none of that happened. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm kind of down for the Chiefs dynasty. I think even though, you know, sure, it may have been fixed. It may all be a giant conspiracy theory and eh, who cares? Who cares? It seemed like they were doing so terrible that whole game, too. Like and yet for some reason. The game was so low, low scoring in the first like three quarters. It looked like the Chiefs were playing like shit. Right. Like Mahomes was missing everything. There were turnovers and fumbles and interceptions. And oh, man, do I sound like I'm a football expert right now? Oh, baby. Look, I have one more chance for this whole season to play it. But I'm the world's most foremost, most foremost football expert. And Mahomes was out there first three quarters, just fumbling it, throwing poorly. Nobody was catching the ball. The 49ers also weren't doing anything either. It looked like their defense was doing fairly well, though. Which, you know, in my little little moments of cognizance, it's like in high school. It goes back to earlier, like in high school, where I'll be sitting in the middle of class after having two, three hours of sleep that night. And you know how when you're... Uh, when you're sitting through something and you're just ridiculously tired and you'll find yourself dozing off like... You'll be paying attention to like a lecture or something. I've had this happen in church once where, you know, I was up the whole night, the night before, and I'm, I'm look, I'm sure the message was relevant that day, but it was lost on me because I was sitting there going, hey, hey, wake up. And then you'd be awake for like two or three more minutes and then you'd fall asleep. Then you fall asleep yet again. And you wouldn't fall fully asleep either. You would do that thing where, you know, you'll be fighting to, you'll be fighting with your brain to not let it happen. Like, all right, don't stay awake. You'll feel the droopiness of your eyes. This is a great thing for this podcast, by the way, is like maybe the new untapped market, especially look, I'm, I'm self-aware. I know what I sound like. It seems like the new self or the new market for this podcast seems to be uh, helping people fall asleep, which you know what? I'm, I, I welcome this new market opportunity. <laughs> if I can help somebody get a good night of sleep, you know what? Let's go. Let's go. I like it. I enjoy it. You get that good night of sleep person that's laying in bed right now, slowly dozing off, entering dream world. Ooh, maybe I can hypnotize somebody. Uh, hmm. 
if I do hypnotize somebody, it would probably be for good. Oh, here we go. Okay. Listen, as you're falling asleep right now, I can hear it. I can see it. You're probably dozing off right now. I'll do it in bed too, where, you know, I'll be laying in bed watching a YouTube video or a Twitch stream or something, and you'll feel yourself like dozing off and you'll barely register the message. But here's what I want you to do. Person falling asleep. What I want you to do, ooh, do I have any good, uh, do I have any good hypnosis music? Let's see, let's see. No, I don't think I do. At least if I did, I was not planning to do this bit, but. Oh, all right. Mario Kart, Mario Kart is good enough. Here's what I want you to do. Person falling asleep. What I want you to do from now until the end of time as you fall asleep, here's what I want you to do. I want you to promise me and promise God that you will never, ever download a sports betting app and you will never, ever sports bet on anything in your life starting at this very moment. In fact, maybe not at this exact moment, but look, from as soon as you wake up, you're going to have this idea in your head. Maybe you'll dream about it even. Maybe you'll dream about losing it all in the ultimate sports bet. Maybe you bet on the 49ers. And it was looking pretty good for them for a while. But here's what I want you to do. You'll fall asleep right now when I snap my fingers. You will be asleep. You will dream about the evils of sports betting. You might even have a nightmare. But it'll teach you. And sports betting is bad and wrong and cringe and their commercials are cringe and you should never do it again never ever and then when you wake up you will delete all your sports betting apps you'll delete your fan duels you'll delete your f-ing, uh DraftKings, whatever it is if you are one of those suckers that downloaded the hard rock sports betting app then especially delete that too in fact delete it twice Delete it, re-download it again, and then delete it again. Trust me, it's for the good of your own soul. And when I snap my fingers, you will now no longer be a consumer cringe sports better. Ready? Boom. Just like that. See, I can work some magic here, too. <laughs> so, yeah. How do you are uh how do your Super Bowl go? Let me let me put on the influencer hat again. <clears throat> Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe and leave a comment. Let me know what you think about whatever the hell this is that we just talked about. I have no idea. We swirled some mac and cheese, we hypnotized people, and we promised the world, we promised God that we would never sports bet ever again. You know what? I think we accomplished a lot. I think we accomplished a lot in this segment, honestly. (laughs) By the way, it is uh, Valentine's Day today as well. At least as I'm recording this. This is probably not going to go up until the day after Valentine's Day. But uh, I'm in one of those situations right now where... uh, I say I'm in one of those situations right now, but... Has anybody seen that trend... That's going around, and I don't think that trend is exclusive to this year, right? 
but it's the trend where you know you're seeing all the like all the people on social media post about how happy they are being single and all right, that's great. Good for you. But I feel like in order to properly be happy being single, you have to actually be working on yourself. You have to be developing some part of yourself. Like, I'm happy being that way because, you know, I realize I have a lot to work on, right? And maybe it's some kind of deep-seated trauma that, like, I have very deep insecurities over that I just don't want to let out on somebody else. But... At the same time, you know, I do feel like I'm making very, very healthy progress in the personal development side of things. And but yet at the same time, you know, it's when's enough enough? When is it time to like face your destiny and start actually getting out there and start, you know, hoping to meet somebody? I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. But I don't know. Valentine's Day also kind of seems like it was... It also seems like it was a more muted topic this year. I don't know. Didn't see much about it. But I would also be curious. Like, did anybody go all out for Valentine's Day this year and the great year of our Lord 2024 for Valentine's Day this year in particular? I don't know. For some reason, I never seem to be... uh, And again, as I said earlier, like I'm happy about this, but I've never, never had to celebrate Valentine's Day. It's always been outside Valentine's Day that, you know, I've been in brief uh, situations, I guess. We'll we'll, we'll call it that. Brief situations. (laughs) What a minimal, what a uh, very reductionist way to put, you know, the what seems like the one thing that people are here on this earth for is to, to procreate or to at least find meaningful relationships with other people. Uh, I'm just going to, going to reductionist to minimize that as a, as a situation. I had a friend when I worked at one of my old companies whose birthday, her birthday was on Valentine's day, which, you know, I can only imagine. I could only imagine. Is it one of those situations like mine? Because my birthday is kind of fairly close to Christmas, right? And I can imagine, like, uh, since she's a woman, that a Valentine's Day, maybe not celebration, you know. I Look, they care a little bit more about Valentine's Day than guys do. But I'd be curious if, in her world, that uh, it was a similar situation like my birthday being fairly close to Christmas, where, you know, the lines are blurred between your birthday and the day itself. Like, do you celebrate your birthday and Valentine's Day on the same day? Do you go out for your birthday, like, the day before or the day after, and then go out for Valentine's Day that day? I don't know. I'm curious as to to how she handled it. <laughs> that was at a much younger period of time where, you know, I didn't really know how to handle that at all. So, uh, we didn't, I don't know. It was, uh, I was just, I was young and stupid, but I've known two people that had their birthdays on Valentine's day. Very weird. 
one of them an old friend and then one of them a uh, potential romantic partner, I guess. Anyway, so how'd you handle that? How'd you handle how'd you handle all your Super Bowl stuff? It was a it was an action packed last couple of days. So let me know what you uh, again, influencer hat. Let me know what you think. Do not forget to follow, like, subscribe, leave a comment. It is, of course, at Lighthouse Shock Jock on everything. Actually, it's just at Lighthouse Shock Jock on YouTube. On Twitter, it's at uh, LHSJ Radio. And the other social medias, I will, I'll work on at some point. Man, I've also got to work on a website, too. I got a lot of shit to work on. But at the very least, I'm doing the important thing, sitting here making the show. That's what's important, right? The content, baby. The content. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway. All right. So we'll do a little bit of... Uh, we got to do a little bit of Housekeeping. Of course. Housekeeping. Come back later, please. No. Housekeeping. Not now. Housekeeping. Go away. <laughs> so, of course, we will have our uh, weekly per show. Lighthouse Shock Jock Bible Study coming up in just a little bit. And, you know, I honestly don't know what we're going to talk about. Actually, I do, because I talked about it last week, that it is something that I'm going to have to reconcile with and deal with. And I feel like some of the messages that I've gotten this past week has kind of given me a little bit more wisdom in that area. So we're going to do uh, a couple of chapters of Corinthians today for the Lighthouse Shock Chalk Bible Study segment. We'll do that coming up because, look, the last show, it was like two and a half hours long, and we're not going that long, baby. We are not going that long today. In fact, this will be it for this segment. In fact, you can skip to Lighthouse Shock Chalk Bible Study in the YouTube video. Look, just click on that chapter. Just click to it. In fact, there's even chapters in the podcast description that you can click on. This is it. There's, this was the segment. We're already 30 minutes in, man. <laughs> so this one's going to be a little bit shorter of an episode today. Also, uh, I did indeed make the separate Lighthouse Shock Jock Bible Study channel. That is at Lighthouse Shock Jock Bible Study on YouTube, weirdly enough, that I'm going to clip the ending of each show the final bible study segment right where i'm going to clip that and we're going to use that as a separate channel kind of because again i I mentioned it last time but look i get it some people don't want to listen to the whole show it's it's very very inappropriate and raunchy and all i will be able to do is beg for forgiveness when when the end times come. But again, as I said earlier, look, my philosophy on this is that you kind of have to dance with the enemy a little bit to get them to, uh, to meet all the other people who are also dancing with the enemy and maybe kind of convince them by dancing with them, appearing as the enemy to dance the good dance. If that metaphor makes any sort of sense at all. What is going on out there? But, 
there is, of course, you know, a bit of hard service that has to come with that too, which is where the Bible study segment comes from, right? Which is why we do that at the end. The cats are going nuts again. <sighs> Remember, patience. Patience. They are God's creatures. They were sent to you as your friends. You love them, remember? Even when they're being little, annoying little f***ing rats. But they are, they are adorable and cute and cuddly. They both just started... Uh, when I used to live in Florida, the cats would not sleep with me every night, but now up here they do for some reason. Like both of them, like literally as soon as I go to bed, both of them are just right there, just plopping their asses right on the bed with me. I've learned that apparently in cat science, the reason that that happens is that they're just trying to claim you as their territory, which all right, that's fine. I mean, I'm basically their territory anyway. Like, all right, you got me. I mean, I'm going to still feed you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Any other show business? Oh, yeah. So the live show I did mention last time, which, look, I get this is a sin, but I lied to you, I lied to you guys last time. The live show is probably not coming back this month. Uh, it's going to be, look, I will keep the camera on. That is one thing that I enjoyed about, you know, uh, I don't want to say coming out of the anonymous closet. <laughs> but uh, more on that in Bible study on a more serious slash unserious note. But uh, the live show will come back at some point, you know, as I talked about last time in the trials of James and us as fallen humans full of sin, uh, I did indeed... I was about to swear again or like I like I don't have any problem swearing, but like uh, blasphemous swearing, that kind of swearing, which that that's bad. OK. But uh, I did talk about how I lost my job. Right. So the schedule for when the live shows are going to be coming back is fairly uncertain. So for the time being, I am going to continue to pre-record them. However, I am getting some of the like some of the live radio stuff set up. Like I did end up getting ooh, a phone number. Like I registered for a new phone number on on Google Voice. It's a secret that it it won't be a secret for much longer. That we'll be able to take some calls with. Uh, I have a secondary station here at the studio, quote unquote, that I'll be able to have some guests in and. We'll, we'll chat some good stuff. I will probably have some guests over for the Bible study segment at some point in time. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Maybe for the, maybe for the first part of the show too. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I haven't really scouted out. It does seem like it would be fun for some people that I have in mind to come do like the first half of the show and, you know, be part of like the entertainment and the funnies, uh, he he ha ha tee he and the bits, right? But I have a feeling that most people that I would potentially have on that are good orators would be more interested in the Bible study segment, which again, that that's fine too. You know, I'm not like, I'm not knocking that. Don't get me wrong. 
I, I just want to have some fun here too. Look, you know, uh, God wants us to also have fun in this reality too, as long as we are, you know, remembering what is important, which is it's him, you know, <laughs> right? So uh, we'll, we'll do some of that too. But for the time being, a few more pre-recorded episodes until I figure out what the hell is going on with my life schedule. And, <clears throat> excuse me, at that point, once I figure out what the hell is going on in life, then we'll figure out when to do the live show every week. But for the time being, and then once we do the, once we get the live show started back up, you know, that's when I'm going to put the phone number out there. We'll take some calls, get some guests in, do all the good stuff, do some like hardcore bits that you know and love. Well, that you don't know yet, but you will love, trust me. But for now, we'll, uh, I'll continue to do, I'll do a few more pre-recorded episodes this month. I'll do them once a week. And again, right now, it's Wednesday night. It's right after I get home from Bible study, happening to be uh, inspired by, you know, both the Bible and uh, having chugged an entire C4 so that I could go to the gym later. It's a little bit of both, you know, a little, little from column A, a little from column B, Bible, C4, Bible, C4, it's a little bit of both today. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that stuff is coming up. I really don't think I have any sort of any other announcements to make for the show, like, you know, sit here and jerk myself off about my own show about what's coming up. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know why I'm so stuffy today. All right. That just about does it. Anyway, when we come back, we will, of course, do the uh, the second full edition of Lighthouse Shock Jock Bible Study, which I have some, I have some reconciling to do. I'm going to make a personal announcement that I'm not quite sure how, how to proceed about it and... We will, of course, chat about it via the context of scripture. And we'll see. We'll see if God's got some answers coming up in just a little bit. Not just a little bit for you because it's a podcast and it's literally just going to be the next segment. But for me, it'll be just a little bit. And that's what's most important. All right, we're back. And we're about to do the second edition of Lighthouse Shock Jock Bible Study. But first, I want to remind everybody who is watching either on the main channel or on the Lighthouse Shock Jock Bible Study channel that, look, if you're on one or the other, the other one exists, too. Like, if you're on the main channel, which is just at Lighthouse Shock Jock on YouTube then if you want to subscribe to merely the Bible study segment at the end of every show, then it's on the bottom of the channel, right? At least I believe I set it up that way now. Probably should have checked beforehand, but it's there. So it's just uh, at Lighthouse Shock Jock Bible Study if you just want to participate in the Bible study segment of the show, then you are more than welcome to do that, right? Of course, you know, it's going to get... Uh, get kind of weird 
to say the least, on the main show. And if you don't want to be a part of that, look, if it's not wholesome enough for you, then you can indeed subscribe to just the Bible study portion, which is at Lighthouse Shock Jock Bible Study. That's a new channel. Still kind of still kind of building that out a little bit. But, you know, as as time goes on, I'm sure it will uh in fact, honestly, that one might even have potential because that taps into a separate, like, isolated market, right? That one may even have potential to fly above and beyond the main channel even at some point. Who knows? We'll see where it goes. Wherever the wherever his path takes us, we will we'll see. And of course, you know, if you're watching on just the Lighthouse Shock Shock Bible Study channel and you want to listen to the main show, then you can, of course, do that as well. It is at Lighthouse Shock Jock. That's where you can hear, see, listen to in all of its glory. Not his glory. That's look at uh, the whole main show. Is, look, some of it, uh, some of it, I would I would prefer him not to see. You know, <laughs> even though we all know that that's impossible, right? But uh, you can subscribe over on the main channel, which is just at Lighthouse Shock Jock. That's where you get the the main show, the full podcast. I don't cut the Bible study segment out of the podcast because I am trying to reach some of the, you know, the people that may be lost that's just watching the main show. You know, it's maybe an attempt to like kind of crack at their cold, dead hearts a little bit like mine used to be at one point. Thus the pay it forward service because it was done to me. Look, my cold, dead heart was cracked open by his love. So why can't I do the same to somebody else? Maybe, potentially. Who knows? Anyway, so today we are going to go into, we're going to do a couple of chapters of Corinthians. Like, we're not going to do all of them. We're going to do supposedly, uh, wow, I actually got to pull up my notes here. We're going to do one through six, but we're not going to do all of them. Like, we're going to skip two and four because it's, I don't want to say it's not relevant. Like, look, none of the stuff in the Bible is irrelevant, right? But it's not particularly relevant to the stuff that I want to talk about today because I said uh, I've been teasing it for like what one whole Bible study episode and a regular show that you know I've got some reconciling to do which will when we get to the part that's relevant for that then you know I'll I'll just out with it finally and see if there's any way to reconcile what the uh I mean, I guess I could just straight up call it, you know, this sinful way of being. See if that's even possible to reconcile with with him. But uh, we are going to start off with First Corinthians today. Now, we're also going to kind of jump around a little bit too. like this. This this Bible study is not going to be where, you know, we start from one certain point. And we just go start to finish from that starting point where we're going to kind of jump around a little bit here and there as I'm sure maybe I should know this, but as I'm sure most other Bible studies do, I don't know. I don't know exactly how they operate. It's not like, what do they all do? Do they all like start, just start from Genesis and just go, we're just going through the Bible start to finish. I imagine some of them do, but you know, at least at church, you know, they, uh, they start with something that's maybe relevant to the message that they want us to hear, which means jumping throughout. 
Anyway, so we're going to do a little bit of chapters one, three, five, and six. Look, I get that we got through like only two chapters of James last time and it ended up being like 45 minutes. So I don't know. I'll try and I'll try and speed it up a little bit uh, this time. So of course, a little bit of background on Corinthians, right? This was from the, the same author. This was from Paul who wrote also Romans. Now he didn't write James because the person who wrote that was, uh, was James, you know, (laughs) 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 look, who says Bible study still can't be a little bit funny too, but he just, he, God works in mysterious ways like that. Right. So this one, uh, unlike a, unlike Romans where in fact it's kind of similar to Romans 2 from episode number 8 of the main show right where this is another another letter from Paul and it's notable because uh Paul was not he was not uh a believer at first right he actually had to see Jesus be resurrected in order to become a believer like maybe not see it directly you know but he wasn't a believer until after Jesus's resurrection, right? But maybe a lesson for us all, right? That still didn't stop him from being a uh, one of, you know, Jesus's most like one of his most powerful soldiers, I guess would be a good way to say it, right? Which means uh, for some reason that means to me, which is why I like a lot of Paul's letters, right? Is that you know, he took somebody, Jesus took somebody that was once a non-believer, right? And Paul ended up being one of uh, his strongest soldiers, right? And it's a little bit of an inspiration for me personally, and could also be, you know, an inspiration to maybe somebody that has not been a believer for their entire life. And then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, you know, there are clear particular reasons for it on the path that he set out, you know, but somebody that was not a believer and then all of a sudden became one of the the strongest believers there is. And, you know, this got me to, especially some of the stuff at the beginning got me to, to think, you know, based on our kind of relationship with this secular reality, right? And again, that's something that I talked about in episode eight, but it's something that only convinces me more and more and we'll get to it. Some of the stuff is in chapter one, right? We'll get to it when we, when we start reading and going through the text. Right. But a lot of this stuff was uh, like instrumental in, I don't want to say convincing me because you know, that sounds bad, right? That you had to be convinced to be a believer, but a lot of our relationship with this feeble reality, right? We kind of view it through the lens of, uh, well, look, I have to see it to believe it. And and if it doesn't fit my exact worldview of how this reality operates, then we can't, you know, I, I can't choose to believe. Right. And this goes back to like the, some of the stuff that Jesus did back in, in his heyday, right? You kind of think about it a little bit and you go, and what ended up convincing me was this idea of like, look, why couldn't this be possible? You know, our reality as we see it right now is just so fickle. And like, have you ever been in a situation in life where you've seen something that has almost been a little bit too coincidental, something that seems like it was, uh, it it was quote unquote magic. Right. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to equate the term like magic and 
miracles, like the ones that Jesus performed back in the day, right? But, you know, you kind of think about it and you go, you know what? Why wouldn't Jesus performing miracles back in his in his heyday be possible? Like, it, surely more impossible sounding stuff has happened, like even today in our world, right? And, you know, that relates to some of the, the stuff in, in chapter one of Corinthians. Now, as I said earlier, like some quick background, right? on it is that, you know, this is Paul's message to Corinth and some of the, uh, the high leaders over in Corinth were, they, they were doing some pretty bad stuff, right? They were, you know, kind of sexual deviants. In fact, I got it. Uh, I have a, uh, study Bible, I guess. And this paragraph right here, cause I like reading some of the, the context beforehand. And another thing that I really enjoy too, is like looking at it from a historical perspective, which is at the bottom, right? Like it provides a timeline here where, you know, in AD 33, that was when Jesus ended up resurrecting, right? And Paul's conversion didn't happen until a year later, interestingly enough, which means, you know, he had to see the resurrection of Jesus, not see the direct event itself, but, you know, see the result of what happened after the resurrection in order to become a believer. And since then, you know, since that point, he was one of the most staunch believers. So this passage right here from the study portion of the Bible study, his purpose in writing 1 Corinthians was to motivate the Corinthian church to acknowledge the Lord's ownership of them and the implications that this had in their lives. And he addressed something like, uh, or he addressed stuff like the overarching theme of ownership and authority of the Lord, including Christian unity uh, morality, the role of women, spiritual gifts, and the resurrection. So he, Paul's writing this letter to the Corinthians, kind of being like, look, hey, re remember the good stuff, right? You know, you're doing a whole bunch of bad stuff, but remember, remember what makes us, remember what makes us tick. Like, remember what we're, what we're really all about, you know? So, and it's funny that somebody like Paul, who was a later believer in life, kind of was able to deliver that message so effectively. So, I don't know. As I go through the Bible, and again, I am not a Bible scholar at all. We're kind of going through this Bible study together so that we can, so, th so that we can all do some learning, right? And that's one of the things that I enjoy the most about uh, some of Paul's work, right, is how he can be so powerful after not having like so powerful a message, right? Despite having not been a believer for his entire life and having to have been uh, converted, so to speak. So starting off with uh, starting off with chapter one, again, since this is a letter, we're going to skip the the greeting portion of it and immediately start it. What is it? I made the mistake of making it dark in here when I'm reading from text. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start at verse four, right? So I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Jesus Christ, that you are enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the resurrection or for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you are called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, you know, that's he's doing a little bit of, of an introduction here. And it's 
a message, right? He's kind of laying it out right at the start. That's like, uh, all right, look, just remember your purpose. Remember why we're here. We're here by his grace, you know, and especially as we get into some of the later parts of it, where the priests at Corinth were, they were sinning, you know, they were, they were doing some bad stuff. Right. And it's one of those things. It's like a compliment sandwich, right? You know, that, uh, that kind of the common way to give feedback of, of the compliment sandwich is like, you know, you give a compliment, then you give the hard feedback and then you give another compliment again. And right. So that's kind of what Paul's starting off with here is like, uh, he's kind of easing into it. You know, he's kind of, because imagine if you were like a sinning priest from Corinth and you got this letter and it was it was immediately like a harsh condemnation of everything that you're doing. So he knows how to work. He knows how to work with people. So he's just he's easing into it. He's like, look, just remember, we're here by the grace of God. You know, just remember that you were enriched. Everything, everything that you have was enriched by him and all that good stuff so that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he's, he's kind of getting himself in there. So now, uh, continuing on with verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment for it has been dedicated, declared to me, sorry, concerning you, my brethren, that those of by those of Chloe's household, that there may be con, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this: that each of you says, "I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ." Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And he's talking to something that almost goes to a little bit of human nature, right? Where you know, we want to, as humans, we want to like, we want to deify something and we want to identify with a tribe, right? It kind of explains a lot of the the tribalism in the world, you know, how we identify with the side, we identify with a team so often with various things in the world, you know, maybe your political affiliation, your affinity for something, like how much you like something, you will identify with that so hard that uh, that kind of becomes your identity. And this is a a quick reminder that's like, look, you can't get, you can't get wrapped up in the tribalism of the world, man. You cannot get wrapped up in it because look, uh, maybe you can identify like, you know, I'm, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, here's, it's a reminder, like, look, we are all of, of one and we are all remember, remember people, we are all of one singular tribe. And supposedly it is the good tribe you would like to, would like to think. Let's see. Where's, where's the part that's relevant? Uh, oh, here we go. All right. So we're going to start at, uh, skip ahead a little bit to verse 18 for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God for it is written. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So 
this is very, very relevant to today, right? You'll notice that there will be people out there, and if anybody's seen this, uh, there's something that goes out there on Twitter in particular is where I see it because I hate all the other social medias, but Twitter in particular is where I'll see something like the midwit meme, right? And how it goes is it's like this, uh, this bell curve, right? Where on one end, there's not a lot of people, but it's kind of the, the dopey looking idiot on the other end of the bell curve where there's less people. There's like the hooded guy that's supposed to represent the super high IQ person that uh, tends to have the right take. And the thing about that is that the high IQ and the low IQ person tend to have the similar like correct take, right? And then the person at the top of the midwit curve, those are what's called, what are called the midwits, right? And those are the people that believe that they know it all, the people that believe that they have the highest amount of wisdom that there is. And coincidentally enough, most people fit into the top part of that midwit curve, right? Where they believe that they know everything, they have the most worldly wisdom, and Paul's trying to remind us that this worldly wisdom is false. Like, there are people out there that believe that they're know-it-alls in the feeble reality of the world. Like, you can still be as smart as possible, but still kind of be an idiot in that sense, right? And this is where I talked earlier about, you know, how there are so, so many people that are like, so dead set in like the hard science quote unquote of our world right where they'll be one of those people and this is the common midwit that'll say but but science doesn't explain this like this goes against science like the the crucifixion and the resurrection of jesus goes against science and here's the thing you know i mentioned it earlier but like how why really could not or couldn't that have happened like there's so many more weird things that happen in our world today like our our very relationship with the world is just it it's so feeble like our reality is so fleeting and constructed almost perfectly and yet so fleeting at the same time right just think about all the the quote unquote magic that exists in the world today like just think about you know how according to science science hard science like midwit science did the world or was the world created? It, you know, that people go back and think it's like, oh, it, it happened from a big old bang of millions and millions and trillions or however many of years ago. And all of a sudden, you know, we became a thing. We evolved from this little single celled organism that like, just look at all that holistically like that. That kind of sounds like magic, right? I don't know. It Maybe that sounds stupid, but I don't know, the standards with which we declare what's like science and what's like magic or a miracle is also kind of fleeting. So how, why couldn't the resurrection have happened? Why couldn't all the miracles that Jesus performed on ailing people back in the day, why couldn't that, you know, be what actually happened, right? And it's important to remember that, you know, you kind of have to be careful about what you think you're wise about in this world, because all the stuff, in the, again, in this world is fleeting. It could be, I don't know, it, it could take any form. It could be the most useless knowledge that you could possibly have. And, like, I'm, I'm an idiot, really. Like, I don't think that I'm that smart, really. I'm, I'm an idiot on most things. I know that I don't know what I don't know. Like, 
I know that there's a lot of things that I don't know what I don't know, if that makes any sort of sense. It's like, you know what you know, you know what you don't know, and you don't know what you don't know, right? I know that I don't know what I don't know a lot of the time. <laughs> I Look, I get that that's, you know, uh, look, uh, there I get that's confusing. Yeah. My brain stopped. But it, it kind of makes sense, right, if you just think about it for a second. And this is one of those reminders that, you know, look, you don't know what you don't know. Sometimes you have to be reminded that you don't know what you don't know because the wisdom that we have in this world is so fleeting. It's incredibly fleeting. Like, and it reminds me too. Actually, no, we're 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 not there yet. Let's see where are we starting off at again. All right, so starting from verse twenty-four, right? But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Jesus Christ, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that, as it is written, he who glorifies, let him glory, or he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And this reminds me of, so there's this book from uh, from C.S. Lewis, you know, who wrote uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, he wrote a book called Mere Christianity. Now, C.S. Lewis was one of the like most prominent uh, Christian authors that there is. And this reminds me, this is why like a whole bunch of different denominations of Christianity are kind of stupid, right? And I'm not talking about uh, ones that are just limited to Christianity, too. Like, he's trying to remind us all that, you know, despite... And this goes to C.S. Lewis's message, too, where he kind of goes against having all of these different sects, not against them, but against treating different sects of Christianity. Like, you know how there are some Christians that treat Catholics like, you know, they're they're just off on everything. They're wrong. They're terrible and vice versa. And, you know, look, the Baptists, they do this particular thing wrong and how all these different sects of Christianity and all these different sects of, you know, even religions, period. Right how we over-focus on some of the differences between them. And the similarity that we have between them, you know, is uh, the believer in Christ, or the belief in Christ as our Lord and Savior, right? And that should be focused on, similar to what, like, C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity, right? That we should focus more on on our similarities than our differences. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about how we're so tribalistic in remember earlier uh i am of apollos i am of paul i am of whoever that you know look we get so wrapped up in our tribalism and the different sects of religions kind of become those those tribes too and it's important to remember you know once again paul is reminding us that it is important to remember the the very tip the very top of that it's it's jesus you know, we got to remember, remember what's important. And that's a common theme around here, you know, on, on Lighthouse Shock Jock, too. It's like we can get mired 
in the in the reality of our world sometimes but remember remember what's important man just remember what is important and it is it's one thing and you know what it is anyway so uh yeah we can all be wisened by accepting Christ as God's power right and that seems to be what his message is here and all your your knowledge of all the different sects it's again it's false wisdom it's false worldly wisdom so that was uh that was chapter one right so we're gonna skip over to chapter three a little bit because it starts to deal with like carnal sectarianism and we'll look we'll learn what that is in a bit because i read that too that's what this section is called sectarianism is carnal and i'm like what (laughs) all right so starting from verse uh hold on i gotta find my place here starting from chapter three right in verse one and i brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual people but as to carnal as to babes in christ I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? This goes back to the the earlier idea about, you know, kind of tribalism and identifying more with your tribe than as identifying with having the wisdom of God, right? Which, you know, it, and this idea, mere men was, it was an insult back then. You know, it's like, uh, you could kind of see how, if you take the connotation of the word mere men, you can kind of see how it's a little bit insulting today, but you know, if it's not really as insulting today because it's harder for us to think about, wait a minute, did, did, did somebody just call me a mere man? Like, it doesn't hit the same today as it did back then. But trust me, it was, apparently it was a big insult back then. And the Corinthians were acting merely mortal and, you know, without any sort of, uh, or with kind of reckless abandon as to what their, what their actions were saying about their belief system, right? So, all right, I'm going to skip ahead to... Where's verse 16? Well, you know, I'm doing it live, of course. (laughs) Not live, but pre-recorded. I could skip this part, but I'm not going to. It's raw. It's emotional. Bible study. Here we go. All right, here's verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now here's another thing. And I talked about this, you know, in the last segment too. And you know, that saying that's like, you're all the hipsters use it now. It's like uh, my body is a temple, but I don't know. I read this and it kind of gives credence to that, to that idea, right? Like your body kind of, eh, it's supposed to be your holy temple that was given to you by God, right? And this is why, like, especially later in life now that I've been taking, like, health and fitness a little bit more seriously, it does sound pretty hipster, but, you know, it's kind of your, the state of your health is kind of a reflection of your, your dedication to God, right? I know there are so many different avenues that you could take to prove that, but 
I do think that health is a very like a, I don't want to say a primary indicator, but it is a big one. You know, like I talk to my stepbrother a lot and I know one of his, uh, like about the Bible, especially as I learn more about it. And one of his problems are like, you know, the 400 pound, uh, pastors, because look, they are displaying gluttony out there in full force. And, you know, your body is, it sounds hipster, but your body is kind of a temple and we'll get to this in a moment, but you know, is being gluttonous any worse than what I'm going to reveal when we get to, when we get to chapter six, that's one of those things that like almost kind of causes me to not be okay with it because of course, you know, you're at that point, you're settling with being okay in sin, but yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. So let's see, where's 318? Cause that's, that's a classic, classic verse that you've probably, probably heard a lot. Oh, here we go. 318. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. And this is probably one of the, uh, this is one of those rare like Bible verses that, you know, I heard a lot as a non-Christian, right? And this is one of those classic, classic ones. I'll, I'll even read it again too, you know, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. And this is really like summing up the idea of like, look, your worldly wisdom means nothing, especially if you're one of those people that revels in your worldly wisdom. If you think that if you're one of those people that like thinks, wow, just look at how smart I am. I'm just so incredible. I know so much. Then you're a fool. And in order to move past that, you kind of have to just continue to be a fool for a while. And eventually in being a fool for so long, you will realize the, the folly of that way, right? It's really only through the kind of experiencing the world around you. That's where true wisdom comes from is seeing it, living it, being street smart over book smart. That seems to be another key message that uh, I kind of get from this is look, and I'm not also, I'm not trying to devalue the idea of being book smart period, because look, you do need some of that too, but real wisdom comes from your experience on the streets, man. In you know, if we're keeping this metaphor going, right? So classic verse, you've probably heard it plenty of times outside of Bible context, you know, it's been rewritten a couple times too, to kind of, uh, be, be a condemnation of false intelligence. So, all right, now we're going to skip over to chapter five, right? So this is where Paul starts to talk about some of the immorality that's going on in the Corinthian church, right? And this is where, you know, this is where some of that reconciling starts to come into play. So let's see. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such, such sexual immorality is not even named amongst the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. 
this is talking about like uh, incest here, basically. And not that incest is the only sexual immorality. We'll get to some of the ones uh, in a little bit. This is just the one that Paul happened to start with, right? And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from, from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him at who has so done this deed in the name of our lord jesus christ when you are gathered together along my spirit with the power of our lord jesus christ deliver such a one to satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the lord jesus your glorifying is not good do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And we're, all, we're getting to a part here, right? And this is one of those times where, I say one of those times as if this is not going to happen quite a lot as we go through the Bible, where... I don't know the answer to this. And this is where I'm looking for, you know, maybe there are people listening that are uh, greater Bible scholars than I. <laughs> Not that that's very hard at all, but this is where I would, I would look for, uh, I'd look for some input from you guys. Because it sounds to me, first of all, that, uh, and we'll get to some of the, the parts that I have questions about in a second, but it sounds like... Uh, there's a context here, and I get that the context here is that Paul is kind of calling to action the Corinthians to be judges of their own brother, right? Where, look, non-believers are, they're going to sin no matter what. They're just going to do their thing. But as a believer, apparently it is your responsibility to kind of check other believers on their immorality, right? And Maybe that's where, because it sounds like to me that Paul is being a little judgmental here, despite claiming that our mortal judgment is folly. It sounds like uh, Paul is kind of being a little bit judgmental here. And this is coming from the guy who, and don't get me wrong, look, I still uh, appreciate his writing. As I said earlier, he's one of my favorite characters in the Bible so far, right? It sounds like, uh, and this is where I have a question, is... Sounds like he, in his condemnation of our worldly wisdom and our worldly judgment, sounds like he's being a little bit judgmental himself. And I get that the context behind it is that, you know, look, you as a believer have to judge the other believers to kind of stay in check with each other. Is there any sort of balance there? Like, do we disassociate with the immoral? immoral people and let God's judgment take his course. And this is a question that I'll have in a little bit about like other believers towards me in this way, as I, you know, out the big thing that, uh, I want to just ask about, you know, we'll see, we'll see if there's any reconciliation possible here. You know, 
I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexual, sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those who also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. So I guess he is trying to imply that, you know, look, it's we as a belief, we as a set of believers are meant to keep our other believer brethren in check. Well, God's going to deal with the non-believers when when the time comes for them, right? He's just he's going to deal with it. It'll be fine. But and something of this, especially as we get to chapter 6 in a little bit, reminds me of something that was in uh James. I don't know exactly if we got to it, but if not, we'll revisit James. I don't remember remember if it was specifically in chapter 1 and 2 or not, but it was something about how equating he equated all of the sins to each other. Like it, it was something along the lines of like, look, if you're guilty of one sin, you're guilty of them all. And I get that the purpose of that is to remind us that like, look, we're all sinners. All of us are imperfect in his eyes, but you know, you are worthy of forgiveness because you know, that's kind of what God sacrificed his son for, right? Is to, a little bit reconcile us with our sins, but it's hard to say. I'm not sure if, you know, that's kind of the, a similar idea or theme as what we're dealing with here. And it reminds us all that, you know, look, all of these, these sins are on a completely similar level. At least it seems to me like being sexually immortal, covetous, an idolater, which as is defined earlier in the Bible, that's like idolizing anything except for God himself, right? Or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner. So basically, you know, if you steal, if you're a drunkard, those are apparently, you know, if you're sexually immoral, those are apparently, it sounds to me, all kind of on a similar level. So how can anybody judge somebody who is guilty of anything else. And this is where some of my questions come in. Like if we as believers are supposed to question and maybe not necessarily judge, but kind of keep in check other believers for doing all of these things. Look, I have a hard time finding a believer who is not guilty of at least one of these things. And if all of these things are on the same level, then how are we supposed to judge anybody else for uh, something that we are committing ourselves, even if it's not that exact thing, if it's one of the other things that he talks about, especially in chapter six, as we get to it, how can anybody judge anybody else, even believers? And this is where, you know, I kind of put the onus on you to hit me with your interpretation of what's going on here. So now comes now comes the important bit, right? This is chapter six, right? And this is what caused me to want to do Corinthians in the first place. So we're starting at, uh, starting at verse one in chapter six, dare any of you 
having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. So here's another example, right, where he's saying that, you know, you as a believer, you are supposed to kind of check other people that are committing some of these things that, you know, both he'll get to and the stuff that he mentioned in uh, chapter five, right? Let's see. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I know like some of this uh, is getting to like kind of legal jurisdiction area where, you know, the hard line between like the legality of it and the morality of it is a little bit here or there. So it's hard to judge. But at the same time, you know, where is your where's your boundary on that? Like, hmm, I'm not sure if that makes any sort of sense, but you know. Maybe that's what he's asking here is like, look, where's, are you legally obligated? Are you morally obligated to judge these people? And that's where we get to uh, verse seven, right? And this is what starts the big one. Now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat. And you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by his spirit of God. And this is where it comes to this is where it comes to the thing that uh I have to kind of reconcile here because, you know, look, I'm I'm 31 years old, you know, it took me a long time to not kind of come to this conclusion, but, you know, life has taught me certain things and he he made me a certain way, right? And this is where it's like it's blatantly laid out in the Bible, right? And this is something that I don't particularly have an answer to. Now, of course, uh, this is going to this might just throw out every little bit of uh, supposed Bible study that I've been doing so far. But, you know, this is where I, I have a question. This is where I have to reconcile with him about, look, this is how he made me. I am... Homo... Right? Sexual. I mean, that's... I can't say that that's how I've chosen to live life. Again, it's, it's how he made me, and it's right here, clear in the text, but apparently 
you know, uh, that's on the same level as all of the other things. Let's see, what is it? Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And, you know, we live in times today, especially today in the great year of our Lord, 2024, where it seems like there are some churches that are more accepting of it than others. Now, here in uh, in the deep south, it doesn't really seem to fly as hard as it might have if I had, you know, maybe started to be a believer in Florida, which I did kind of, you know, the seeds were sown in Florida, but they ended up occurring here. Like in Florida, I would be accepted NBD, no problem at all. But here's the thing, you know, who are, and I know Paul puts the role on other Christians or on other believers that would hypothetically like condemn me for this, you know, but who would judge me like that? You know, uh, there are other Christians that are guilty of all the other things. Like if you drink at all, you know, you have no room to judge. If you're covetous at all, if you're envious of anybody, that's apparently on the same level too. Who are you to judge? And that's the thing is if we're all imperfect, how can we all judge any buddy else in this way. Like I have my serious doubts that even most of the people that I both go to church with and encounter on other religious basises, bases, basises, basi, that, <laughs> that, you know, that all of them are just 100% pure and not guilty of any of these things. And my current position on this is that, you know, look, a, like, I don't, of course, hate God for this. I wish that he didn't make me this way, but that's, that's just how it is. That's how he, that's how he made me. And that will have to be, or it sounds to me like it might just be something that I have to reconcile with, you know, at the gates and ask and go and hope to be forgiven for being made that way, I guess, at the end of the day, which, you know, all of us, all of the rest of us are also going to have to do about all of those other things. Like, look, I'm fairly confident that most people out there, some people drink, some people envy, some people idolate other things. You know, look, if you're a Christian and you watch sports and you know everything that's going on with your favorite sports star, sounds like you're idolating something. Sounds like you're idolizing something else everybody else is guilty of something. And that goes back to, you know, something that James said about how, look, we're all guilty of sin. We are all guilty of something in our own right. So how can you, how can anybody quantify that one of these things is worse than another? I'm not entirely sure. So I don't know. Only those who are perfect can judge others, right? And nobody is. Nobody is. So, look, if I'm perfectly willing to accept that, you know, maybe other people, some of their sins, they will have to deal with it at the gates and hope to be forgiven, then why is, uh, why is the way that I was made so, so much different that immediately has to be condemned in this life? Look, if I'm accepting for you that, you know, Sure, your sin is bad, but, you know, we are all made to be forgiven and 
you can hope and beg and ask for forgiveness at the gates of heaven when the con- when the time comes then why can't that also be accepted about me too and i know this is going to be something that uh like causes a rift because i have a doubt that everybody listening or anybody a decent portion of people listening are those wholesome types that you know would uh would view this and condemn it but look you're guilty of something too somebody out there everybody out there that's listening is guilty of something nobody's perfect and if i'm willing to accept that you know about the thing that you're guilty of that that's between you and god and you're and you will have to do some reconciling look if you choose to reconcile your sin at the gates with him that's your prerogative and so why can't my prerogative be that you know look that is also something that I will have to reconcile at the gates and hope to be forgiven about. Like, I'm not going to, I was about to swear again, and I'm trying not to swear in, in, uh, the Bible study segment. Look, I'm, I'm not going to conversion therapy like that, that <laughs> I know that like there is some people out here in the South that, uh, that that would be their first suggestion is like, look, no, that's, that's, that's just a backwards way of looking at it. And I'm, I'm just, I'm not doing it. That's if I'm willing to accept that, you know, that's that you were made to be a sinner, then you know what? I cannot judge because I'm also not perfect and neither are you, neither are you. (laughs) I don't know. And again, this just, I don't know about any of this stuff. This is all something that falls under the category of like, look, I have no idea if that ends up being my downfall at the gates, then so be it. I'm not judging anybody else about any of the other things that they do. So look, I will accept that that's something that you'll have to reconcile with at the gates. (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's see. Is the rest of verse six important? Let me do a, let me do a quick check here. I think that was, that was the important part, right? I think we got to it. I guess to kind of sum it up from verse 12, it it is all stuff that we have covered up to now before, but just to wrap up chapter six, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Who's to say that, you know, like... It's not like straight people don't uh, commit sexual immorality as well. That's another, uh, and I'm not trying to argue like for this way of being because, again, it's one of those situations where, you know, I wish I wasn't, but here we are. Here we are. This is how I was made, you know, so be it. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her for the two he says shall become one flesh but he who is joined to the lord is one spirit with him 
Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, by the way, uh, the reason that I know this 100% the reason that I know this about myself, like fairly certainly, is another sin that I committed here. Look, look, those uh, those few verses talks about it's basically prostitution. It's uh, a condemnation on prostitution, right? And w- when I was younger, like when I was in my early twenties, you know, I I suspected this about myself. I suspected uh, potentially being right sexual. <laughs> <laughs> I suspected it. Look, I, I knew from the day that I would drive down the street and, you know, a, a guy that attracted me, like, caused me to look harder than a hot girl on the street, right? And that sounds terrible, but, you know, I, I would have little signs here and there that that was how I was. And, but I had to make sure, you know, I had to make sure. And this is, uh, this is, again, a, I have to, of course, tell the tale of the sin in order to not run from it, but, you know, kind of put it out there in order to, I guess, help make it better or try and make it right, I guess. But when I was younger, when I was in my early 20s, right, I had to make sure, right, I had to make sure that it was this way. So I did exactly that. Like I hired a prostitute just to see, just just to make sure. Because, you know, you can't uh, you can't assume that you're one way without trying out the way that it's supposed to be. Right. And lo and behold, I definitely was definitely was that way. (laughs) Of course, I committed a greater sin just to affirm the the original sin in the first place. Right. But, you know, according to the stuff that we just read, those two things are on are on similar levels. Right. So. I refuse, I won't judge anybody else for being a certain way, but at the same time, you know, other Christians that are guilty of other things that almost certainly would judge, what room do they have? You're also a mere mortal who's guilty of probably at least one or two of those other sins, you know, so what puts you in a situation to be able to judge? Anyway, if I've accepted that, you know, look, uh, I will have to reconcile that at the gates and hope for forgiveness for merely being the way that he made me, which I, I get, I'm not trying to minimize that way of being, but at the same time, you know, that, that's where, that's where it's hard for me to reconcile with it is that, you know, look, this is the way that you made me like, and this is where, you know, uh, especially when it comes to like old Testament stuff that you don't have to have the answers to. You really don't. Like, there are some things that are appalling in the Old Testament that you just kind of have to sit with and ask, like, look, why? I don't understand it, but, you know, surely you must have had a reason for it. So I guess that that's how it'll be here, too. Anyway, all right, that'll that'll about do it for one through six of Corinthians. We might revisit it at some point, depending on... I don't know, I guess depending on where the Bible takes us, but next week, I do not have a plan for what we're going to do yet. 
unlike last week where I knew that we were going to do this. <laughs> anyway, so to finish it all out, you know, of course, I'll remind you that if you are following the Bible channel and would like to follow the main show, it is at Lighthouse Shock Jock on YouTube. The podcast is posted to like Apple and Spotify and maybe a couple of the other ones too if you just want to listen to the podcast. The podcast does not have the video show on it, which probably probably for good reasons because I only do the video because I feel like I'm obligated to. As much as I would love to have kept it an audio-only podcast. Look, that's just not how things work in 2024. (laughs) Anyway, we'll get to... We will continue on with something in the Bible next week as we continue Lighthouse Shock Jock Bible Study. And that'll close it out for this show. Love you all. Even those who judge. I love you anyway. If anybody has any takes on any of this stuff, tell me I'm dead wrong. That's fine. Maybe we can have a hearty discussion in the comments section. (laughs) Anyway, until next time, bye. I just want a picture of a god dang hot dog. Goodbye, everyone. I'll remember you all in therapy.